We're talking symbols today with my good friend, Oracle and Tarot reader Spear. If you want to learn more about how you can develop your unique symbol set and enhance your communication with spirit, stay tuned. Welcome to Evolving Humans. I'm your host, Julia Marie, and this podcast is for visionary people like you who are exploring the true nature of reality and want to contribute to the global awakening. You seek to deepen the connection to your multidimensional self so that you can live a more conscious life. I've been thinking a lot about symbols lately, and I thought, must be time for another conversation with my good friend Spear. Spear is a St. Louis shaman who does tarot and oracle readings. He's a skilled reader and a powerful intuitive, and I'm happy to welcome him back to Evolving Humans. Nice to talk to you again, Spear. Thank you. It's good to be back. Let's start at the beginning. What is a symbol, anyway? Your definition. For me, it's um, kind of a, a visual shorthand of thoughts and ideas and emotions and memories. They can come in any form. For example, our written language is a form of symbols. Uh, sign language is another form of symbols that convey thoughts and emotions. Nowadays, it could be images, pictures, clips. They can even be uh, emojis, are, are, are sort of hieroglyphics nowadays that, boy, if you're not on top of it, they can mean <laughs> a lot of different things. Here recently, there was a lot of talk about uh, two hands that were sort of uh, together, and a lot of people were using them as like a high five, and then it turned out that it means prayer. And now when you type in either one, that image comes up because it's been sort of adopted, I guess. I never knew those two hands meant high five. Every time I've gotten that symbol with a message, it's almost like the person saying, thank you very much or namaste. Yep. <laughs> so, okay. and there's, different, there's even different versions for the high five. It's one hand kind of up or two hands up. So it's if you just look in your type in your phone, if you open up a, a text message and type in uh, prayer, those hands will come up. If you type up high five, they now come up as well. So, For me, a symbol is a packet of information. And I do a lot of work with spirit that involves symbols, mostly the mediumship is when I will get a lot of symbolic communication, but also in readings, too. I've, there's a certain, I have my own lexicon of what things mean, all based on my personal experiences. Now, I know there's universal symbols that mean the same for everybody. Do you have a couple of examples of those? I'd say universal ones would have to be something sort of outside of our cultures and our countries and communities like the stars, the sun, the moon, animals, things like that. Basic, I'd say even basic actions that people perform can be symbolized pretty easily and recognized. Things like representations for hot that you might put on a stove or on an, on an object that might catch fire or 
produce fire or mm-hmm. get warm. So there's things like that that I think transcend for us now as a people that we can kind of understand without having to look it up in a book. So then if we go from universal and we go down a level, now we're talking symbols with a cultural context. Right. Um, I mean, the most common one that I'm personally aware of besides Egypt would be those yeah. petroglyphs. Yeah. Spirals. Mm-hmm. Um, constellations are, are a big thing that, you know, we, we tend to think ancient people didn't know that much about the universe, but when you are awake for 12 hours a day and you're looking at the starry <laughs> sky at night, you know, those, those have, have lasted and been passed down. And why, I don't know if that's the first sort of symbols that, were put together we're seeing looking up in the night sky and seeing a bear or seeing different things that they could all sort of connect with well our mind loves to make sense out of things and so if i'm gazing at the night sky and i see a certain pattern of stars then i'm going to want to attach something that has meaning to those stars in the sky it also helps with memory. If you're trying to teach children Ursula Major and Ursula Minor, you know, it's easier to say that's the big bear and that's the little bear. And mm-hmm. and it just sticks with people. So I guess they have to speak to a lot of people when you're doing symbols for the masses. Within groups and cultures, I think those symbols can be defined a little differently or a big thing for a lot of people is symbolism. That's taught through, for example, the Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. You see a rose, and for Roman Catholics, that means a lot of different things. So, for example, what would that mean to a practicing Catholic? I am not. <laughs> I, am, I wasn't raised in it, but through art and art history, it means, off the top of my head, Mother Mary. That's the most common, that's the one that, I resonate with because I was raised Catholic. I don't. I don't know okay. why I gave okay. you a test question, Spear. <laughs> I just wanted to see if you were on top of your game. Okay, so yeah, for me, the rose is the rose is uh, Mo- Mother Mary. Yeah, it even goes farther back to the Greek culture. You know, uh, a crescent moon meant Artemis and different things like that. Uh, an owl meant Athena for wisdom. Mm-hmm. So there's. It just depends on on those subcultures, how they defined those things, where someone outside of it may see a crescent moon as just a phase of the moon. So let's jump to a culture that you probably are more familiar with. Let's let's talk about Greek and maybe the mythology of Greece and some of the symbols that you might find in that civilization. I read a a children's book years ago, and I, I don't know how familiar people are with Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. It's Mm -hmm. all about how the gods didn't really vanish. They sort of moved with cultural consciousness and moved to the United States. So looking at symbols like the eagle, that was a representation of Zeus. And it was very carefully picked by our founding fathers to use that to represent our government. So that's why you see the eagle on a lot of things. That's why... Most of our governmental structures are modeled after um, Greek temples. 
it just it's sort of familiar familiar through time and a lot of those qualities we sort of adopted into our culture yeah that's interesting i i never would have made the connection between greece and you know the the united states and although there is democracy too actually yeah. is a parallel yeah. there now yeah. that i think about it yeah and and another another symbol that a lot of people know but they don't know is the um symbol of escalapes the healer the rod mm-hmm. with the two snakes and the feathers the, the mm-hmm. winged snakes that's been adopted by the healing community for even before you know the united states was put into place like i said for most people they just see it as a healing symbol but it means a lot more to somebody 2000 years ago in Greece it's just it's interesting to see if you start to look around you'll see a lot of familiar greek symbols in a lot of things yeah they seem to stand the test of time some of these perennial favorites no pun intended right. you know like you mentioned earlier the spiral that's mm-hmm. one you see everywhere yep. i think it's probably one of the oldest symbols we have that's yeah. out there in the collective yeah I mean, just looking at a stream and seeing a small whirlpool. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, those have been around for forever in all mm-hmm. different kinds of forms. So, yeah, it's just, it's amazing. Once you start investigating, it's sort of a rabbit hole you can go down and just keep going and going. Well, the reason why I wanted to bring up the subject of symbols and how we could tie this to our own spiritual growth or walk has a lot to do with the fact that When each one of us connects with spirit, we have a set of filters, and then the information is coming to us from spirit through those filters. So it's going to be different for each person. So I like to encourage people, when you get some kind of a message, don't immediately run to somebody's symbol book to see what it means. Take a moment to sit with that and feel into what the universe might be trying to tell you, because here's what I know. If you miss it or you get it wrong, they're going to send it around again. If there's a message they want you to know about, they're going to send it around again until you get it. So don't worry about needing to get it right the first time. You talked about a story from art school. Yeah, it was... I. Went to the Kansas City Art Institute and dropped back down to a freshman level. It was basically one big, I want to say it was like a nine-hour class. So Mm -hmm. we spent almost all day in one studio working together. And it was intense. It was very intense, but it was good. One of the gentlemen decided to put us to, to the test of making our own lexicon of symbols. And we had to find inspiration somewhere. and draw these symbols down and decipher them so that we could use them later on. When I was out in Kansas City on my own, away from family and everything, the only thing I had were photographs. And so instead of making a detailed drawing of what I was actually seeing, we had done a previous exercise where we sat down outside and picked a view, a tree or a building or whatever, and we had two minutes to draw it. And then we finished, and then he said, okay, you've got a a minute and a half to draw the same thing. And he kept decreasing the time until it was down to like a second. Mm. And so you get down to these very basic structures or or strokes, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so when I went into this 
picture thing, I wanted to give myself 10 seconds to draw out what that picture represented and to sort of define it down into a few brush strokes or, or charcoal strokes mm-hmm. and then use those to start building my lexicon. So they didn't mean a lot to anybody else in their final form, but to me, I could still see what those represented and it was easy for me to, to look at it and say, that's what this means. I never thought that would lead, you know, 25, 30 years in the future to this sort of discussion, but it was, it's very interesting that it's easy to make your own lexicon. And I think when spirit gives you symbols and you don't understand what those mean, I think you need to also ask yourself, what does this mean to me? What does this mm-hmm. invoke in me? What does this make me feel? Because that's probably more accurate than any book you're going to go look at. Mm-hmm. It's the same with a dream, a dream book, a dream yep. interpretation book. Yep. You, you almost have to write your own. You can get kind of vague ideas from other people, but they don't really transfer to everybody. Only the dreamer knows what their dream means. I, as someone who's providing input, I can only say what that dream would mean if it was my dream. Right. And I feel like that applies to this symbol symbol concept as well. Only you would know what that symbol means to you. I can't tell you. I can only tell you what it would mean to me. Right. And so the proposal I'm making to anybody who's listening is if you are starting to notice things in your environment, especially if you're noticing repeating patterns or the same thing coming up over and over again, you can rest assured that the field is trying to tell you something. Yeah. Uh, Some people call them omens, especially Mm -hmm. when it's physical, uh, a blackbird showing up every morning and, and sitting outside your window or different things like that. Flowers keep jumping in out of you. It's, it's, it's being sort of pulled out of your background noise for a reason. Mm-hmm. And the natural world is one of the easiest ways for the spirit to get our attention. Yeah. Either with unusual activity or with my attention being drawn to something. Yeah. Or repetition. <laughs> yeah, that exactly. The fourth time I've seen those blackbirds, this, you know, this today. Mm-hmm. So it's jumping out of you. Emojis are modern day hieroglyphs. And I think the emojis are just going to be gone, you know, 40, 50 years from now, either we'll still be using them or people will be like, what were they writing in these messages to each other with these little infographics? Well, I don't want to out myself, but I don't know what half of them mean, even when they tell me this means this. Okay. I use them in a basic, like a happy, a thumbs up, that sort of stuff. So (laughs) I'm not very versed in them either, except for the, the story I told about the hand prayer clap thing. Anytime you want to receive a message or get an answer to a question, look for a symbolic response first. It's going to be more likely that you're going to get a symbolic answer as opposed to words. Although sometimes words can be the way you're the questions answer, but most of the time you're going to get a symbol or you're going to get your attention is going to be drawn to something physical that represents whatever the message is. I would say write down, keep a journal because that way you're not starting from scratch every single time these symbols come up Mm -hmm. and you, 
you're going to develop your own lexicon of your own personal symbols. Now, keeping a separate notebook is a really good idea. I still add things to the book I put my basic symbols in, but most of the ones that I work with, I'm so familiar with now, I, they just always mean the same thing. Now, here's another idea, because the universe is responsive. Maybe you come up with a symbol to represent something and ask spirit to send you that when they mean fill in the blank. Try it for something simple first and see what kind of results you get. When you are doing a reading, let's say, and you're looking at your cards, do you just kind of let them speak to you however they want to, or have you noticed certain patterns or themes that come up? Yeah, there are definitely very specific definitions of a lot of the cards. When I'm reading, sometimes they will sprinkle in extra things or they will cause certain parts of the image to sort of jump out or mm -hmm. have me look at it so that I can tweak it a little bit. For example, the golden fleece will come up. And that's usually a sign of something that's been hidden away from the person that is a, a, a great healing tool that they've sort of been sitting on too long. Because the golden fleece, for most of its existence, it was on an island protected by a terrible dragon and no one ever used it or saw it. Mm -hmm. And they had to go, you, you, there was a quest. Quest had to be put together and they sent someone out and the hero brought it back and it healed a whole nation of people at once. So for me, that's, that's got a very definite fixed, you know, is this a book that you have in you? Is this a, a healing modality? Is this a talk or is this a podcast where you are helping people get through things in their life that you've already sort of uncovered? It's in there. And a lot of times it's people just telling their own experiences, their own story will help other people because how many other people are going through that at any point across the planet? For me, the hardest part of the basic tarot was memorizing all of the imagery. And it never really, it never really incorporated into me, I guess. I can still read them, but I sometimes have to pull a book out and, and oh, this is actually this is because I'm reading the symbols more than what the symbols are meant to represent. Mm -hmm. so the, the, the Olympic tarot really synthesized with what I'd grown up knowing and my personal love for the Greeks and everything really, it really sang to me, I guess. So if you're having trouble with a deck, my my advice would be to find another search, deck. search around. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I have other decks that I have an Egyptian deck that I was drawn to go to the store and find this deck and I didn't know what it was or where it was. And I had to literally walk around the store with my hand out trying to feel where the vibration was. And it was way up on top of this bookshelf, on top of the bookshelf, back behind it. And I pulled, when I picked it up, it like a vibration went through me. And, and I said, this, this is exactly what I'm here, here for. Egyptian mythology is something I love, but I'm not well versed in it. So I still have to use the book to this day, but it's a very simple deck to use. It's probably one I'll use later on a little bit more, but for now, it seems like the Greek Oracle deck is, is really doing everything it needs to do. So the Egyptian deck is kind of for me when I do internal mm -hmm. questioning. If people really wanted to be bold, they'd make their own deck. That is an advanced 
that is a very advanced reader experience level. I think that Mm -hmm. we all eventually get to, and it's been, it's been nagging at me for a long time to do my own. And I have a vision of what I want it to be. I don't know if I have the money to sort of incorporate and get, you know, get actors to come in and, and get set pieces and things like that. But oh, it, it, Lord. yeah, it's well, as a photographer, that's you know, okay. Yes. That's right. my thing was doing studio setups where you work for, you know, a couple hours setting up this environment and have someone come in and sit and then take a photograph of it. Wow. So all the symbolism is there, all the little things, but it would take me a while, but I, that's what I keep. Every time I think about it, that's what I see is like a studio setup with a paid person actor that comes in as Zeus or as Poseidon. And they're in this sort of environment. I know I can do a lot digitally now. I couldn't do back in the day, but uh-huh. I was very big on building the scene and photographing the scene and not tweaking it too much. Uh-huh. So, but yeah, it's been calling me for a long time. That's my golden fleece. I keep pushing it off. And I think when it, when it really happens, it's going to be fast and everything's going to be in the right place. It just doesn't seem like all the pieces are there yet. The bottom line is eventually your Oracle deck is going to wear out. Yeah. And I remember you saying you can't get it anymore. Right. So it's then you'll right. be forced. <laughs> to I, I, right before it went out of print, I bought a second copy and it's sitting in a drawer. Very, very secure. So, oh, so you still have your backup. <laughs> I, still have a, I still have one backup, which it probably won't, you know, it'll get worn through pretty fast too. So, yeah, it's like I said, it's, it feels like it's going to be a little bit later in life when that all sort of come to mm-hmm. be. But that's okay, you know. I just want to thank you. So, before we go, how can people find you? Uh, currently, I'm on Facebook and that I believe it's Facebook backslash spear that shimmers all one word. Um, you can find me there. I, I usually post when I'm going to be doing readings or if something's going on, I'm going, I'm going to miss my regular scheduled times and things like that. I don't have a website just yet. That's another one of those. It's out there, but I haven't mm-hmm. uh, done it yet. <laughs> no judgment here. Okay. <laughs> I swore I would never be online. And yeah. yet... People need to find you, is my point, okay? Yeah. And and right now, you're limiting how, how much clarity and empowerment you could give to the world. <laughs> Again, I want to thank you for being with me today, and I look forward to our next conversation. I do, too. Thank you. That's our time for this episode of Evolving Humans. Thanks for continuing to support us with shares, ratings, and reviews. All of this helps us reach more people and contribute to the evolution of consciousness on this planet.